Hey guys, Jeremy here. Welcome to today's Everyman Livestream. Now, where are you listening to or watching from today? Let us know in the comments section. It helps everyone else watching realize that there are thousands of men just like them that God is calling to live out their truest identity as a son of the King. Now, as we get ready to receive God's word for today, I want you to think of a time when you're on a walk or maybe a hike with someone. It doesn't matter where the walk is happening, whether it's in the city, out in the country, or by the ocean. The goal is to walk together and experience whatever you see, whatever you sense, or whatever you encounter together. Now imagine you start out walking together, but the other person's getting distracted or focus on something else besides you and starts walking ahead of you. Or maybe instead of walking ahead of you, they lag behind. Now in both cases, do you know what the common denominator is? Now, if you thought to yourself or said the word distance, you would be right. The Bible says that God desires to walk with us. And while many of us start out walking with him, as time passes, as life speeds up, as things we didn't plan on happening happen, well, we can find ourselves not walking with God, but walking alone and by ourselves. Now, in today's session, we're going to learn what walking with God looks like and means from God's perspective, why it matters so much, and how not to run ahead of him or drop behind him in your connection. Because both places create distance and both places are dangerous for that relationship. But before we dive into today's study, think about all the people you know who desire to walk with God, or more importantly, need to learn how to walk with God. Do you know anybody like that? Then go ahead, share this powerful message with them right now. Now let's go right over live to Crossline Church in Laguna Hills, California, and join men's expert and pastor Kenny Luck for part three of our study with God. Good morning, men. I cannot believe I'm doing this. But I have to do this. Because I'm a man of my word. And it's a good, good thing the Holy Spirit can work outside of certain things or objects. So anyway, I still can't believe they're Division I. But um, anyway, so man, this is an awkward feeling. This is really, really awkward. But it is achieving the intended purpose of the person who set this up here because I told him that I would do it. All right, if you have a Bible, open it up to Micah chapter 6. Uh, we're in part three of a series called With God, and what we're saying is, is that uh, relationships can start one way, uh, but they can turn into something entirely different as time passes. How many of you remember like having your first powerful encounter with God or your salvation experience with God? Okay, that's a big moment, right? It's just Man, you feel the hope, you feel the potential, you know, you're amazed by grace, you're like, I'm going to heaven, I, I cannot get that season of my life out of my mind. I wanted to be at church every time the door was open. I was reading my Bible, you know, every day, I was just, I, I remember taking my brother's Bible and looking at his Bible and he had all these notes kind of like that, you know, inside, and I remember staying up till three in the morning copying down how I talk 
James chapter 3, you know, how he had all these passages of scripture related to how he was living his life, and I was so hungry. But, you know, I discovered, too, over time, it's kind of like, you know, when the space shuttle takes off, and then it has that first solid rocket booster, and then what happens? Yeah, there's separation, it kind of falls off, and then the second one kicks in, And we go through seasons, but especially that initial season of salvation and redemption and forgiveness and the power of the Holy Spirit, and it's just so amazing, and then gravity happens, right? Life happens. Uh, Things maybe we didn't expect happen, and we struggle to find our motivation to to find God or even just kind of walk with God, or temptation happens or pressure happens. So uh, relationships can start one way, but then... The forces of life can impact it and change the way that you relate uh, to another person. That's very true in your relationship with God. Now, with God, uh, a lot of times when the circumstances change, we can go from wanting God himself to wanting God to deliver us, amen, or wanting God to bless us or wanting God to give us wisdom. You know, that's okay because he can give all of those things. But if the relationship becomes solely about that, That's not the purpose of the relationship. And no one feels good when someone is connecting with you to get something from you all the time, right? They don't want to be with you. They want blessing from you. They want your wisdom. You know, they want what you know. They want what you have. They're not connecting with you, really. They're they're faking kind of connecting with you because they want something else. And what we have to realize about God is that God is a person who knows when For lack of a better term, he's being pimped, okay? Where we're using God for things, visibility, wisdom, blessing. He's gonna bring order to my life, but we're really missing his person. And just like you would feel, man, I feel used. You know, God can feel the same way. Now, the Bible, uh, fortunately, in this series, we're learning that the purpose of knowing God is to have a relationship with God. When you peel back, you know, who God is at his very core, He's, he's a God that is in relationship with himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And what you see is mutual support, mutual delight, mutual encouragement. You know, and we, we read about that at the baptism of Jesus, that, that when the, the, the core of the universe was pulled back and we saw what was at the heart of God and the center of God, it was, it was relationship, it was delight, it was encouragement, it was support. You know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that's what having a relationship with God through Jesus Christ lets you into, we're let into that relationship. And so God, God wants a relationship with you. And it talks about how we should want a relationship with him. In Micah chapter six, verse eight, it says this. It's at the top of your notes. Uh, if you're here, let's read it together. Ready? He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. And so I want you to kind of think about what it's like to walk with someone. You know, here in Southern California, you know, maybe we go down to Newport, Balboa Island, maybe we go up to the Saddleback Mountains. You know, Chrissy and I have a trail that we take most every Monday, and uh, we grab, you know, Echo the dog, and, you know, we, we, we hit the trail, and, um, and we're walking together, and we're noticing things, and we're pointing out things. And, and, and as, we, as we walk together, there's just this attitude of connection and wanting to be with each other, not to do other things. And as we look at God's desire here in Micah 6.8, uh, 
and we're going to look at it in some other places, we really have to see what God desires. And the first thing that God desires, write this down, is God desires an attitude of flexibility in your walk with him. He desires an attitude of flexibility. You know, that the picture of humble in the Bible, in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, is a picture of, of flexibility. So when Israel is, is not cooperating with God, the picture that God paints is, is that they're rigid and they're stiff. He talks about how they have a stiff neck, right? They're not soft. They're not malleable. They're not, they're not working with him. He says something and they're stiff. You know, like, you know, like when a toddler disagrees with what the parents are doing, they do the, the rigid spinal uh, shift where they go, oh, like that. And they like, don't pick me up. I don't want to do that. And they, they're basically saying, I don't want whatever it is that you're offering because I want my will. My will be done. I'm turning stiff or a stiff neck. That means that it's frozen in place. I'm not looking at you. I'm just focused on what I want. I, I, you may be talking to me, but I'm not listening. My neck is stick, stiff. And so God desires an attitude of flexibility. That's what it means to be humble. Secondly, God desires agreement about life. You know when someone's smarter than you and really likes you, you should probably listen to them. Like God's smarter, we know that, but here's the thing, he really cares about you. And when someone's really smart and really cares about you, the wise man goes, huh, I'm gonna listen to that person because he loves me, has my best interest in mind, knows more, right? So God, God desires in this walk with him, as we're walking with him, just agreement about life. You know, back to my, my Monday walks with Chrissy, you know, we're, what are we seeking as we're walking? We're seeking agreement about life. It's probably the one time that, you know, I really just kind of, you know, let everything out. It usually happens like the last third of the walk. I'm like, hey, let me tell you what's going on in my life. And I tell her everything, good, it's bad. What, where I'm feeling pressure, what I'm afraid of, you know, some things I'm concerned about, and then I'll just go, you know, you know what to do, right? And then she prays for me. Uh, side note, guys, if you're, if you got one of these on, you should have your wife pray over you. You should have your wife cover and bless you because she knows you the best, and you're in agreement about life, and ask her. You know, it's a gift, Right? And, and so when I think about my walk with Christians, then I think about, wow, walking with God. You know, God wants to bless me. I should be just as honest. I should be just as, just as transparent. And I should be in agreement with him, seeking agreement with him. And that's why, we, that's why Christy and I go on our walks. It's, it's kind of like to reset and realign and to come into covenant agreement as husband and wife, that we're on the same page. We're walking together, facing the same direction. Right? So let that speak to you in your relationship with God. Are you walking with him together, facing the same direction? Are you walking with your spouse you know, or your significant other? Right? You're walking with your wife, like walking together, same direction. But God wants agreement about life. Third, God wants alignment of the will. God wants alignment of the will. When you're walking with God, man, he wants us flexible. He wants us in agreement. He wants us you know, aligned. Now, when, when you think about walking, you can walk out of alignment or you can walk in alignment. Like a lot of times, like when I travel with my family, 
It's like I'm I'm like the lead duck with a bunch of ducklings. It's like whack 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 whack, you know. And I'm going through the airport and I'm going through passport control, and my family is like the trailing ducklings walking behind me because I'm leading them on a trip, and usually I'm the one in charge of logistics, right? I made the flights, I booked the Airbnb, I'm, I'm going through, you know, I, I travel a lot. So, and they're totally like, yeah, go, you know. But I, we're not in alignment. Sometimes I forget, like, okay, we're not traveling anymore and we're just together. And I'm walking 20 steps ahead. It's like, dad, you know how like your kid's voice changes? You know, it goes from dad to dad. You know what I mean? <laughs> or, Kenny, do you want to be with us? You know, but God wants alignment not just physically, he wants alignment of your will. Where you could be running ahead of God, trying to take control of the situation out of fear. Or maybe you're lagging behind because you don't want to take responsibility for what he's calling you to do. All right, God wants the alignment of your will. Fourth, God wants an abiding awareness of his presence. We're going to get really into that in part three of With God. He wants an abiding Awareness is just being aware that someone is with you, right? He's with us right now. He's watching us right now. He's in people who believe in Jesus. There's an abiding awareness. Now, circumstances can cloud and confuse that. Temptation can cloud and confuse that, all right? Trials can cloud and confuse that. Unwelcome things that come into your life can cloud and confuse that, but it doesn't change the fact, that God is with me. Let's say it together. God is with me. Right. Now, there are men in the Bible that are talked about who successfully walk with God. One of them was Noah. I just wanted to put it down there sort of as an illustration that, that not only is God's desire that you walk humbly with him and that you have an attitude of flexibility and agreement about life and alignment of the will and an abiding awareness of his presence, but you know, this is something that's achievable. We can walk with God. Let's read Genesis chapter 6, verse 9 together. Ready? This is the story of Noah. Noah was a good man, a man of integrity in his community. Noah walked with God. Okay, now, wouldn't it be great if that was how God reflected on you? This is the story of Martin. Martin was a good man, a man of integrity in his community. Martin walked with God. Right? This is the story of Todd. Todd was a good man, a man of integrity in his community. Todd walked with God. Just put your name in place of Noah's, all right? And I love the connection between Noah's goodness and his integrity in his community and his walk with God. You know what the world needs right now? Men who are good. Men who are good in their communities that they live in and men who walk with God. So let's look at what does a man walk with God you know, recognize. Well, number one, write this down. He recognizes that God is living in him. Or if it's you, God is living in me. A man who walks with God uh, has this abiding awareness of God's presence. Not just that he's around me, but if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you have received for yourself and said yes to the person of Christ and said yes to the work of Christ for you, the Bible says that Christ lives in you. It talks about this. Jesus was talking about this in John chapter 14, right? Physically, he's there, but physically, he's leaving. But spiritually, he's coming to live inside those who believe in him. He says this to his disciples. He says, if you obey, if you love me, obey my commands. 
And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never what? Leave you. He will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised up to life again, you will know that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Okay? So Jesus says right there in the middle of that passage, but you know him because he lives with you now, because Jesus is present. He's physically present. He's living with them now, physically, they can touch him. The Spirit of God is on him and in him and coming through him. So they have his abiding presence just because they're in a physical relationship. But he's saying, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm going back to the Father. I'm going back to this relationship, but I'm not abandoning this relationship. So I'm going to send my Spirit. It's not now because I'm physically with you, but later he's, I'm going to live inside of you, Right? Now, the Bible talks about that in Galatians chapter 4, verse 6. Let's read it together. Ready? Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. Right. The Bible talks about when a person places their faith and trust in the person and work of Christ for them. When they say yes, when they cross the line, all right, at that moment, God puts, the, he deposits, just like he makes a deposit, he pours, the Bible says, he sends the spirit of his son into our hearts because that's our adoption moment. That's our moment of adoption where it's now like, okay, we're family and now we, we have the family resemblance through Christ and now we have the spirit of Christ living inside of us. And so if you wanna walk with God, you have to recognize that the spirit of God is inside of you. Now, you know, a lot of us have these, right? Um, and a lot of them, a lot of these little things on here, the, the, the apps, right? They're on there. They're loaded on there, right? You put them on there, right? But a lot of times uh, we have apps, for example, like a directional app, like Google Maps or Waze or something like that. You got to activate and listen to that if it's going to have an effect in your life, right? So I just want to tell you, my brother, that if you know Jesus Christ, and if you've received his person and work, you have the Holy Spirit, um, you have to recognize that God is living in you, and you have to activate the power of the Holy Spirit and listen to the Holy Spirit in your life. Amen? Yeah, and it's not mysterious, okay? Like what I just said, you could make it mysterious, but it's really not, right? Because we have the front line of the Holy Spirit working with our conscience, God built in a conscience in us already. The light goes on. It's like, I don't know whether I should do that or not. And the Holy Spirit, yeah, you probably shouldn't do that. Or the Holy Spirit reminds us to do those things which show love for God and people. Can I just tell you, to take the mystery out of it, when you get a thought or prompting or leading that says, do that thing that shows love for me or love for other people, do that, all right? Don't do whatever the other thing is. Do that, all right? So the, the main point is, if you want to walk with God, you got to recognize that the Spirit of God lives inside of you. And like it says in Romans chapter 8, verses 15 and 16, that Spirit bears witness with your spirit that you're a child of God. Now, if you're a child of God and you're in the family of God, 
you know, this family of God rolls a certain way. And the Holy Spirit is there to remind you that we don't roll that way. We roll this way, right? In our family, we love people. In our family, we build each other's up. Other up. In our family, we serve one another. In our family, we forgive one another. In our family, we respect each other. In our family, you know, I think if my kids ever get to counseling as adults, they're going to say, you know, my dad used to say this all the time. He used to say, in our family, and then fill in the blank. But you see, that's what the Holy Spirit's job is. It's the voice of God that reminds you what family you're in. So if you want to walk with God, you need to recognize the Spirit of God is living in you, and the, the Spirit of God is speaking to you about being in the family of God. Secondly, God is tracking my steps. Now, remember, we're talking about a walk with God. And when you're walking with another person and that person starts walking ahead of you, you're kind of like, hey, what's up? Or if that person is lagging behind you and you're supposed to be on a walk with them, you're like, hey, what's up? So you're automatically, ergonomically tracking their steps. You're tracking where they are with you or not with you. Well, God is the same way. Look at what it says in Galatians 5.25, and it talks about this is the Spirit's job. Let's read it together. Ready? Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit, right? So there's a walk. There's a voice. God is with me. God is speaking to me, but I can create distance in my walk with God so that either I don't hear God or I fall behind what God is saying. The goal is to keep in step. This is a walk with God. This is a relationship. Now, what does that look like? Well, if I'm walking with God and the Spirit of God is speaking to me, you know, keeping in step with God would, would reflect listening to God. Just like, hey, we're walking, we're talking. I'm walking into this situation and I'm wondering what's going to happen and the Spirit of God is speaking and, you know, you should do that. Oh, I should do that. Okay. It reminds me of something in Scripture, a, a command to obey a promise to claim, a truth to believe, right? The Holy Spirit will, will, will talk about those things with you. Hey, Kenny, here's a command you should probably obey in this situation. Hey, Kenny, I know that, you know, you're confused and you're in a little bit of fog, but here's a promise that you can claim, you know? Hey, Kenny, you know what? If you're trying to discern wisdom, here's a truth that you can believe and, and have, plant both feet on. So wait, that's, that's what it looks like to keep in step with the Spirit. It's acknowledgement and like, hey, yeah, I'm going to keep in step with what you're saying versus what opinion is, what my feelings are, or what you know, culture says. I'm going to keep in step with the Spirit. Now, there's a picture in the Bible of, uh, of agreement. So when we're keeping in step with the Spirit, we're in agreement with God. Look at what Paul tells the believers in Corinth. He says, what agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. All right, let's finish it together. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. Well, in this family, we pursue holiness. In our family, we pursue holiness. Now, before I was in God's family, I pursued unholiness with great energy. All right? Kenny Luck, life of the party. Okay? And I not only hurt myself, but I hurt other people, and it was not a good situation. I crossed the line. 
I said yes to the person and work of Christ. The, the Holy Spirit was deposited in me. Now there's a new voice, and God is tracking my steps, and he's reminding me and prompting me and putting things in there. And what's happening as I listen to the Holy Spirit, I'm becoming more like God who is holy. I'm beginning to separate myself from, from unholy things, and I'm really attracted and magnetized to things that are holy, and God says, be holy, for I am holy. I'm in a new family. And you know, it doesn't have anything to do with you being better than other people. It's just the nature of your family. God's holy, guys. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they're holy, all right? Now, I don't know what comes into your mind when you think of the word holy, but let me give you like a practical way to look at that. It's not like culture. It's like Christ. It's like Jesus, right? It's not like the world. It's like the word, right? It's not the, the life your feelings want you to live. It's the life your faith calls you to live, right? That's an easy way to kind of, it's, it's not the way I used to be. It's the way God's making me now. So God puts it in simple terms. He goes, I I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live with them and walk with them, and guess what? They're going to be agreeing with me more and agreeing with culture less. They're going to be agreeing with me more. They're going to be agreeing with their flesh less. They're going to be agreeing with me more and, and, and siding with the devil less. Why? Because they're holy, and this over here is idolatry. This over here is worship. And so we're walking with God, and we're agreeing with God. He's tracking my steps. And as we walk together, I'm walking away from unholiness and sin, and I'm walking with God and becoming more holy, and I'm alive to righteousness. Amen? So God's tracking my steps. Third, God is modeling for me. So I'm walking with God. God's living with me. God's tracking with me. God's modeling for me. This, this, this message of modeling comes out right when Jesus reaches and recruits his first team, all right? We look at Matthew chapter four. Let's read that together. Matthew 4, 19 through 20, ready? Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. So Jesus issues an invitation to imitation. He, he says, come, and it's an invitation to do what? to follow me, all right? So it's an invitation to imitation, and they did. They watched him. They were with him for three years. And, they, and then as they were, they were invited to imitate, he, Jesus began to impart, impartation. I will show you how to do life with God. They watched him. They watched how he would withdraw and be by himself, and then he would come back. They watched how he treated people. They watched how he broke the rules when compassion or God's word demanded it. They watched how he moved and how he lived and how he related and how he loved and how he defended women and how he touched the leper and how he confronted religious posers and pretenders and actors. They watched how he did it. And so Jesus was modeling for them, and um, it's an awesome picture of modeling. You know, Jesus said, I'll do it, and you watch. 
and then we'll do it together. And then you'll do it, and I'll watch. And hey, there's a time that's coming. You're going to do it yourself, right? And that's a picture of walking with God. He's, he's, he's modeling for you. You're walking with him. And he's like, you don't have to turn to me all the time. And at some point, it's like, you know, you kind of seen me do it. You know what I want. You're, you know, you're, you're maturing. You're growing in your faith. And you know what? I trust you to do the right thing in this situation because I've modeled it for you. The Bible commands us to imitate God. Ephesians chapter 1 says this. Let's read it together. Ready? Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. I want you to circle, imitate God, and then circle everything you do and draw a line connecting the two. Wow, there's a command for you. In everything that I do, Yes, in everything that you do. Not parts of what you do, not days where you're doing things, not situations where you show up and you have to be spiritual and then you leave that situation and you can go be unspiritual. When you're driving in your car, when someone cuts you off, all right, when someone disagrees with you, when someone's in need, in everything that you do, we're called to imitate God. And, and I, I love that Jesus is a perfect picture of what a man is. He, he was, he's the man I want to be, all right? He's tough and he's tender. He's sacrificial and he's servant-oriented. He's a courageous man, but he's compassionate. He's the model man. That's the guy I want to be. And the Bible says that I'm supposed to imitate God. Well, he's given us a picture in Christ to imitate. So God's modeling for me. Look what it says in 1 Peter 2, verse 21. Let's read that together. Ready? For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his... Okay. Pretty clear, right? We have a model. Now, growing up, we had models, good or bad. Okay, we all grew up, you know, we all either saw peer models or a model in the home of what a man is, okay? And we praise and thank God for healthy models, all right? And then there's some of us, like me, that were recovering from no models, okay? Then I met Jesus, and then I got my model. And the Bible says that God's called us to be like him, and here's the thing that we don't run to sign up for, <laughs> Suffering for what's right. Yeah, that's what I want to do. I want to I wanna say no to myself, and it's going to cost me something, could be significant, so that I can walk with God. Well, guess what? If you're a follower of Jesus, that's the model. Later on, you can pull out Matthew 26. You can read about Jesus in the garden. And that was his most dramatic no to self and yes to God. When he said... Is there any way you can let this cup pass from me, yet not my will be done, but your will be done? If Jesus is inside of you, and you have an attitude of flexibility, and you're in agreement about life, and you have an alignment of wills, and you have an abiding awareness of him, God is going to ask you to say no to yourself, to say yes to God, under pressure. Was there pressure in the Garden of Gethsemane, yes or no? Yeah. Well, we're never going to be in that kind of garden, 
right? But we're going to be in our own little spaces where we're tempted to say yes to convenience and comfort, right? And say no to God. It's the only time in Scripture where you see Jesus confront the will of God and not want to do it. But he did it. He wrestled. So maybe some of you are wrestling even today, but God, that's what Jesus models for us. And I'm glad that it says, you know, not just, hey, the good parts, the loving parts, the serving parts of Jesus, that his spirit is inside me and it's making me more like him and he's my model, but it's also the hard decisions. You're going to make some hard decisions, right, to be like Christ. So God is living in me. God is tracking my steps. God is modeling for me. Lastly, God is pointing things out to me. You don't want to walk when you're with someone, it's like, ooh, look at that. Ooh, look at that. Oh, watch out for that. All right? If you're on a path and there's good things or beautiful things to see, you go, oh, look at that. All right? But then it was just like, okay, stop. Like on our walk out on the trail, we run into rattlesnakes all the time. We're with the dog. We run into rattlesnakes. Right? So my head's kind of on a swivel. I'm looking for anomalies. Right? I'm looking for things that move that shouldn't be moving you know, trails where there's movement and there shouldn't be movement. I'm like, hey, stop. Many times, I'm like, hey, stop, get the dog. Echo, come here. Call the dog. Why? Because there's things. Well, God's the same way. He's pointing things out. Uh, the prophet, the man of God, Jeremiah, talks about being on a journey and we're walking through life and we can do it on our own or we can do it with God. Uh, Jeremiah 10, 23 and 24. Let's read that together. Ready? I know, Lord, that our lives are not our own. We are not able to plan our own course. So correct me, Lord, but please be gentle. Do not correct me in anger, for I would die. Wow. He knows the Lord. (laughs) He knows the Lord. He's like, you know what? I can make myself God, and I can be self-sufficient and self-directed, right? But that's not the plan. You are, I'm walking with you. I know, I know this. So, Lord, I'm asking for you to make little adjustments. I'm asking for you to show me the way. Um, I'm asking for you to, and when you do that, uh, please be gentle, okay? Because you're you and I'm me, and, um, you know, you're, you, you, can, you can make it a really hard process. So just be gentle with me. I'm going to make mistakes. And I love the language there, Right? We are not able to plan our own course. There's some of you here or listening online or wherever, and you know what? You're in that bucket. You're planning your own course. And you know what happens when you're planning your own course and you're a man who wants to walk with God? You will experience a course. Ah, yeah, you know about that, don't you? Right? You'll experience a course correction. And a course correction can be small or big, right? Like if you're walking with God and you kind of start turning off and then you check in with God, the course correction will be smaller. But then there's, you know, you're, what, you're, not, you're walking with God, but you're not checking in. And you're, you're trusting yourself. And over time, it's like this. Course correction is going to be big or small. Yeah. How about, how about the check-in process is a little more regular? Okay. How about walking with God is a little more regular? How about the alignment with God is a little more regular? All right? Be with God. Talk with God. Let God into your life in every situation. And he'll point things out to you. Look at what it, Jesus says about himself in John chapter 10. Let's read it together. Ready? The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Okay? So God is, is a person who wants to point things out to you. He's the author of life. As you do your life, you should check in with God 
on a moment-by-moment, day-by-day, regular basis. Why? Because he'll point things out to you. Jesus says he's the gatekeeper, he's the door, and that his, his sheep, as the shepherd, they recognize his voice. And you know, that's a process. You know, when you get to know somebody, you get good at recognizing their voice. You want to get good at recognizing God's voice? Then get good at meditating on God's word. You want to recognize God's voice, you got to meditate in God's word. Say this with me. I recognize God's voice when I meditate on God's word. Yeah, this word right here is a living, breathing expression of God's mind. So the more you're in this, and the more you deposit this, the more you hide his word in your heart, like the scripture says, you'll be walking and you'll have the intel and the intuition to hear God's voice because you're constantly exposing yourself to God's model and God's mind. What is your relationship with this book? Is it a close relationship? Are you in it on a regular basis? Are you, are you thinking deeply and continuously about what is said here? You should if you're a man who's walking with God, because then God will point things out to you. So there's the man walking with God. Let's look at the man not walking with God, because we have to have a compare and contrast, all right? How do we know that we're, we're tracking off, that we're running ahead, or we're, we're behind, or even worse, that our walk with God is broken or fractured, all right? Well, the scripture talks about how when we become a Christian, Jesus isn't physically with us, right? He's with us through the spirit of Christ. He's deposited in us and that spirit is speaking to us and is present in us and is telling us who we are and what we should do and what commands we should obey and what promises we should claim and what truths we should believe. There's a walking, living relationship. Well, just like a bone can be broken. Does does the bone stay inside my body most of the time? Okay, yeah. There, There are compound fractures where the bone comes out, all right? But most of the time, when you break a bone, you still possess the bone, but you lose the function of that limb, right? Same thing is true in your walk with Christ, right? You can have the presence of the Holy Spirit, but you can fracture your relationship with the Holy Spirit, right? And it has to be reset, and it has to be healed. So what does the Bible say uh, about your relationship with God and your relationship with the Holy Spirit? So a man is not walking with God is, write this down, is lying to the Holy Spirit, the Bible talks about this. So I can, I can have the presence, the spirit of Christ, but I can be deceiving myself in terms of how I'm attaching to this relationship with God, all right? Talks about this in Acts chapter five. Let me set up the context. This is the birth of the church. And when the birth of the church happens, what you see is an explosion of spiritual energy, all right? Stuff's happening. God is ruling. God is visible. God is, is moving powerfully, in the midst of people. People are watching God ruling and God moving in the midst of people. And are they repelled by it or are they attracted by it? They're super attracted by it, okay? A couple that were super attracted by this move of God was a couple named Ananias and Sapphira. We read about them, we'll roll the film in Acts chapter five. It says, now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself and brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? 
Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, was it the money at your disposal? What made you think you could do such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. Whoa. So here's the context. God is ruling, God is moving, people are giving. And that's what you see. You see a spirit of generosity wherever God is moving and in people in whom God is moving, a spirit of generosity breaks out because people have been, gen- have been the receivers of God's generosity. So what happens if you're a receiver of God's generosity, you become a generous person. The spirit of God is breaking out. People are receiving generous amounts of God's redemption and love and grace. And all of a sudden they're just like, what can I give back? I, I've just been dumped on and lavished upon and now I'm gonna give back. And people are giving, they're like, we want this to continue, what we see, the transformations, the salvation. How can we fuel this work of God? And there's a couple and they're watching it. And they're going, wow, people who give to that stuff they become visible, and they, they become part of the in crowd. They get to hang out with the apostles. Okay, so let's think. Hey, honey, what do you think? Let's, give, let's, let's say we're going to give a piece of property. Now, that's different than kind of pulling out what's in your pocket, right? A piece of property is, you know, it's a boutique thing. It's a really big thing, right? Big thing, big visibility, big gift, right? And so Ananias and Sapphira... They, they, they want to be visible, and they give this big gift, hoping that they'll get big visibility by giving their big gift. And guess what? They give the big gift. They say, hey, they sell the property, and then they bring part of the proceeds to the apostles. And Peter, through the Holy Spirit, is discerning. And these people are lying to the Holy Spirit because they're hijacking a connection to God for their own visibility. Wow. Now, I'm sure that all of us have seen men of God or people of God use their association with God for selfish purposes. You know what that's called? Lying to the Holy Spirit. When you use your association with God or you use God's name to accomplish your own selfish purposes, self-importance, self-gratification, self-preservation or self-protection. You hide behind the wall of God and you're using God. Hey, if you're a man and you're walking with God, don't use God for selfish purposes, for deceptive ends, right? Because that's called lying to the Holy Spirit. Now, how do you prevent yourself from doing that? Because a lot of times, because we don't even know ourselves and sometimes it's so subtle or obvious, we don't know when we're doing it. Well, the, David, the man after God's own heart, kind of shows us how to do it. And it's like taking a spiritual x-ray. Let's read Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Ready? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. David is basically saying, God, I'm gonna put myself through your spiritual x-ray. I'm gonna let your eyes examine me and I'm gonna ask myself some questions. Why am I doing this? Who gets the credit? Who's it gonna draw attention to, right? And he's basically saying, hey, is this, you know, am I... Am, am I all right? Are we good? You know, have you ever looked at someone and just go, hey, dude, are we good? Are you good? It's kind of like, you know, and, and so that check-in process is, man, when I'm doing things for God, why am I doing things for God? When I'm serving God, why am I serving God? When I'm talking about God, why am I talking about God? 
I talking about God to flex my Bible knowledge? Or am I talking about God because I want to deliver salvation and truth and transformation to another person? All right? And a lot of times it's subtle and it can be obvious uh, or, or it can be obvious. Um, and so that's the first way you can create distance and fracture your relationship with the Holy Spirit and, and start distancing yourself with God is by lying to the Holy Spirit. Secondly, a man not walking with God is grieving the Holy Spirit. Bible talks about this. Again, I'm putting this in the context of Jesus says, I'm leaving, but I'm not leaving you. I'm going to deposit my spirit in you, and your entire relationship rests on your partnership with my spirit. So don't lie to the Holy Spirit. Secondly, don't grieve the spirit. Talks about this in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 30 and 32. Says this, follow along with me. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Circle, do not grieve the Holy Spirit, and then circle, get rid of. If you don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit, there's some things that you got to get rid of, and there's some things that you got to uh, jump onto. All right? That's the picture of this passage. And it bothers the Holy Spirit, it bothers God the Father, it bothers Jesus the Son when we receive amazing grace but give away dividing anger. What did we receive from, from Christ? Amazing what? Yeah. Amazing grace. In fact, the Bible says that God lavished his grace on you. You remember when you were little and you had a pile of presents under the tree or something? You're like, where did all this come from? Why do I deserve it? I'm going to receive it. I'm going to accept it. But I didn't really necessarily deserve it. I know my kids don't deserve all the presents they get. But it's just that Christmas morning is like a, a lesson in grace. Even though they might not, you know, deserve, all, you know, the things that, all the things that they get. It's just a morning where the heart of the Father is poured out. Amen, dads? The heart of the Father is just poured out upon his children because he loves them so much, all right? Here, uh, it talks about how we've received forgiveness from God, and yet, having experienced that, sometimes we, we deliver dividing anger, and we, we hold on. We're, not, we're unhealed by that forgiveness. Some of you are listening to my voice, and you're like, that's me. I know Jesus, and I love Jesus, and I, I've received his grace. But you know, when I get into some of these interactions, I become an anger-delivering destroyer, and the two don't go together. And when that happens, the Bible says it grieves the Spirit of God. Now, we see Jesus talk about this in the Gospels. If you remember reading the parable of the debtor, you know, the guy owes a million, the creditor comes in and says, hey, guess what? you don't know a million dollars anymore. And the guy's like, oh, I'm relieved and I'm happy. And I'm free. Relieved, happy, free, debt forgiven. Then the relieved, happy, and free man in that moment goes to someone who owes him a nickel and starts choking him to give him his money after being relieved, happy, and free and having a million dollars forgiven. And so Jesus tells this story about the, the, the unmerciful receiver of grace 
And he said, and, and the, the creditor then hears about that and says, that guy right there, he's going to jail. Take that guy because he had an experience he should have given away. I released him from his, his debt and then he went and choked someone else after having this experience. And that bugs me, right? I mean, basically the parable of the debtor is, you know what really bugs me and what really saddens me? is when you receive grace and deliver anger. It's, it's a fact, because here's the thing. The Holy Spirit's best work in you, listen, please listen to me. The Holy Spirit's best work in you is how he changes the way you treat other people. That's the primary work. I've experienced unconditional love and acceptance. I've experienced the mercy and grace of God. I've experienced redemption peace made between me, an enemy of God, and himself through sacrifice. So I have this experience, and it grieves God when I don't reproduce it. It talks about this in Luke 7, 47, where Jesus is talking about someone who has an encounter with him and how it changes the way they relate. He's talking about the woman, the 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 prostitute who's been forgiven by him, and there's this discussion about her, and Jesus intervenes in Luke chapter 7, and he says this. Let's read it together. Luke 7, 47. For this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven, for she loved much, but he who is forgiven little. It's not about are you forgiven a lot. That's a fact. It's how in touch with you are you? How in touch are you with that reality? See, that's why Jesus passed along communion. It's not like an event at church where we get to drink out of a little cup and, and snap a wafer. All right. The reason why Jesus instituted the ordinance of communion is so that we would remember. You gotta remember. Because if you don't remember how much you've been forgiven, you're, gonna not, you're not going to love people very well. If you're forgiven a lot, you love a lot. If you're not in touch with the fact that you've been forgiven a lot and you lose touch with that, you will love little. Jesus is talking about this woman because, you know what? Her many sins have been forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. That grieves God when you love little. Why? Because God so loved the world that he what? So this is, this is big stuff. You want to walk with God? Don't lie to the Holy Spirit, right? You want to walk with God and secure that? Don't grieve the Holy Spirit by being a receiver of amazing grace, but a giver away of dividing anger. Third, if you, if you want to avoid, right, disconnection with God, don't quench the Holy Spirit. Quench the Holy Spirit. So lying to the Holy Spirit, grieving to the Holy Spirit, quenching the Holy Spirit. It talks about this in 1 Thessalonians 5, all right? We'll read the verse together, verses together, and then we'll unpack it. Ready? Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the Spirit, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all, hold on to what is good, reject every kind of evil. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever in your life, as you're on your journey or you're with people or you're in a situation, have you ever sensed God leading you to do something, but a fearful thought came in 
and then you backed off doing the thing that you felt God was leading you to do. Anybody in that camp? Anybody ever experienced that? Any believer out there? Yeah. You know what that's called? Quenching the Spirit. Now, the word quench in the Bible, it's a picture of, just think uh, we're, at, we're, we're at a beach and we have a fire pit. And we've, we brought our own wood and we've got a massive raging bonfire in a fire pit. Just imagine that, get that picture in your head. Okay, it's the end of the night, you've been fueling the fire, you've been fueling the fire. And then someone grabs a 10-gallon paint bucket that's full of water, all right, and then you begin to douse it. Now, the first dousing, quenching of that fire, right, might not work, but if you keep bringing 10-gallon buckets on a large bonfire, eventually it's, it's going to go out, and that is the picture, right? When God speaks, when God prompts, when God leads, and you pull out the 10-gallon the, the bucket of selfishness and self-protection and self-indulgence and self-preservation, and you douse the Spirit of God trying to work in your life, and you just quench what God wants you to do. Now, in this passage, what's so cool about it is that there are fire stokers, all right, and there are fire extinguishers. Now, it talks about, in the first part of the verse, some fire stokers, all right? Look what it says, rejoice always. You know what a fire stoker is? Worship. Worship. Telling God, rejoicing in God, passionately thinking about who he is and, and focusing on him and giving him praise and worship. Rejoice, all right? Then it says pray continually. That's pretty straightforward. There's a fire stoker. How's your prayer life doing? That feeds the fire of the Holy Spirit in your life, all right? Giving thanks, gratitude in all circumstances. Man, that's faith. It doesn't take a lot of faith when everything's going well to go, hey, thanks, God. It takes tons of faith when things aren't going so well. And yet you know God sees you, God has a plan, and God is at work in all things. And you go, God, thank you even for these things that are going on because I know you're working it out for my good, okay? Giving thanks. So worship, prayer, gratitude. You also see some fire extinguishers. Talks about that uh, after the verse, do not quench the spirit. Don't treat prophecies with contempt. Test them all. Hold on to what is good, right? And so it's this picture of, wow, how can I quench the spirit? Have an uncooperative spirit. When the Bible says, don't treat prophecies with contempt, that means that prophetic truth has come. Okay, when we open, when you, every time you open the word, that's prophetic truth. When, when the Bible has a command to obey, a promise to claim, a truth to believe. That's a prophecy, right? From God. It's prophetic truth. And then we can treat it with contempt or pride. We can say, hey God, I hear what you're saying, but I got this one. All right? That's an uncooperative spirit. And then there's an unteachable spirit, right? That's just, you know, hey, uh, you know, God, I hear what you're saying, but, you know, I, I have these designs and I have this way of being and believing and behaving and this where, you know, that's, that's what the scripture is talking about here. That's a fire extinguisher. And then there's an easily swayed spirit. It says, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Okay. There are people who would say, oh, I believe in Jesus and I believe in God's word. But when they're put under pressure, they let go of Jesus and his truth. Right? They're easily swayed by, by opinion or by the tide of the group or by their own feelings. And so there are fire stokers and there are fire extinguishers. So what have we learned? 
right? The man who walks with God recognizes that God is living in him. The man who walks with God recognizes that God's tracking his steps, that God's wanting a check-in process. The man who walks with God is realizing that God has modeled, model is modeling for him how to live. The man who walks with God knows that God is pointing things out in his life and, and how to do things. The man who doesn't walk with God, he wears a spiritual mask. The man who walks with God has deceived himself and is giving away anger and forms of malice and bitterness and resentment to people when he's been a receiver of grace. And that, that saddens God and it fractures the relationship with the Holy Spirit. And the man who's not walking with God is, is consistently quenching the Spirit. God speaks and he douses it out. God speaks about that, he pours water on it. You know? So what's the big idea in today's study? With God, all right? Big idea is this. Walking with God is a lifestyle. It's not an event. It's not one Bible study. It's not a season of spirituality. It's not Christmas and Easter. You see, that's an event, all right? We call them Christer Christians, right? They come out of the woodwork at Christmas and Easter because it's something that they feel they should do culturally. Maybe it's a part of their family. No, walking with God is a lifestyle. It's your whole life. That's why when Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. It's a lifestyle. Last, last verse we're going to go through is, is, is Psalm 1. It just gives this beautiful picture of the man who walks with God, and it highlights the importance of what we're doing right here. All right? Let's read it together. Ready? How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers. You get the picture? This man is walking with the Lord. He's delighting in what God's saying. He's with people who also are walking with the Lord and who delight in what God is saying. And those men have this abiding river of energy and power and wisdom and insight and joy. doesn't matter what the wind that's blowing on the top. Why? Because they're rooted in their relationship with God, their roots are being fed. No matter what's going on up top, could be dry or arid, but their leaves still bring forth fruit in its season and its leaf doesn't wither and he's prospering even though maybe on above the ground things are going on. He's got a deep well and source of life. Why? Because he's walking with God. And that's the, that's the word of the Lord this morning. Amen? Let's walk with God. Let's pray. God, thank you that you've boiled down knowing you into a simple walk, but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with you, Lord. And I, I declare blessing through walking with you upon every man that can hear my voice right now. God, wherever he is in your walk, whether he needs a reset and the relationship is fractured, I pray that you would reset his heart right now. God, I pray that all of us would recognize you live inside us, you're tracking us, you're showing us the way, and you want to point some things out that we, we haven't seen before. Lord, forgive us for lying to the Holy Spirit or grieving you or quenching the Spirit. Lord, we never want to do that. And so, Lord, 
we just ask your forgiveness and now ask you, Holy Spirit, to fill us again, fill us afresh, fill us new. Help us to do things with the right heart and the right motive. Help us to remember that we're receivers of amazing grace and to give away that same amazing grace to other people. And then, Lord, when you talk to us, help us to ditch our quenching buckets and just say yes to what you want us to do. Help us to have a cooperative spirit. Help us to have a teachable spirit. And help us to hold on to everything that you say through worship and through talking with you and just waking up every day and saying, thank you, God. So, Lord, help us walk with you today, tomorrow, for the rest of our lives until we get to walk with you eternally forever face to face. In Jesus' name, and God's men said.